Thanks for joining us today. This is Kevin Mullins, pastor at Broad River Church, and we're really grateful that you checked us out. If this message has been inspiring to you, we hope that you visit our website at broadriver.church, and you can go to the plan a visit page and see if there's a time that you could visit Broad River Church in person. You also can give at that same webpage, and you can check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Broad River Church. We hope this message is a blessing to you. I love how this poet, Sally Lloyd-Jones, describes God sending Jesus to earth. By the way, uh, if you have kids, this is, would be something great to show them, this whole series. It's on YouTube. It's free from Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's actually a, a poetic reading or a transliteration of the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, which is something that we're going to read here on Christmas Eve in its entirety. But today, I want us to make sure that we connect to the realness of this happening, so, so here, are, here are some highlights to remind you. If you were going through Luke chapter two, John has his way of telling the story. And then Luke chapter two, there's a man named Joseph, a woman named Mary. They show up in this town named Bethlehem just in time to deliver this baby. By the way, they deliver the baby out with the animals. In fact, when it comes time to lay him down, the only place that Mary has that she can lay him down is what the place that the animals eat out of. Just outside of town, there's some shepherds that are there minding their own business until the angels show up and the sky, all these angels, and they perform this amazing concert. And the point of the concert is to let these shepherds know what's happening inside of town with the new baby. So the, the shepherds are basically like, I guess we should go check out what's happening in town, you know, because of the whole angel concert and all. So they get into running into the town. They find Jesus. They go around telling people what happened. And in fact, when we last see the shepherds in Luke chapter two, what they're doing is going around praising God and giving God glory because of what they got to see. So what I want to make sure is that we don't hear this like it was some sort of fairy tale. Like something like, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, there was a star in the sky, an angel singing to a shepherd in a field, and wise men were traveling from the east. They also followed the star, and they all arrived to find a baby laid in the straw. And at the end of the story, the whole, this little baby will be responsible for saving the whole world from destruction. Right? Sounds kind of like a fairy tale. It almost sounds too good to be true. But what I want us this morning to do is to feel the reality and the closeness of this moment. So in, to get to that place, let me just show you another moment, another video. This is a video I took two months ago, almost to the day, in city of Jerusalem. And this is a place called the Western Wall. And for 2,000 years, this has been a place of, of prayer for many people. It's an extremely holy place, primarily for the Jewish people who pray there daily that God would save them and that God would rescue them. People from many different faiths worship there, but especially Judaism and Christianity. People will come here, and there's another picture we have of people will come and they'll, they'll write down their prayer requests and, and they'll slip them inside the cracks of the Western Wall. And the primary prayers, again, that have been prayed here uh, year after year for thousands of years are prayers for rescue and deliverance. 
These, by the way, are still the primary prayers that we pray. I, I believe it's the prayer that you have prayed most often in your life, although it might sound a little bit different. It's some version of, God, please help me. God, rescue me. God, save me. And God's plan to answer that prayer from the beginning of time was to send Jesus to this world. Even to those of us this morning who, who don't have Jesus on our radar, maybe you've never directly prayer, prayed the kind of prayer that I mentioned that Jesus would save you. Even for you, Jesus has always been plan A. We, we, we saw two weeks ago that Jesus didn't just kind of show up on the scene for the first time as a baby in a manger. You can take that picture down. He didn't show up as a first time as a, as a baby in a manger. Jesus was, was there before time. When, when God said, let there be light, Jesus was that light. This is what the scripture says. Don't, don't take it from me. You can read your Bible. When, when God spoke the words of creation, you right, right remember the words of creation started with let there be. When he spoke the words of creation, the scripture says in John chapter one, we've already seen this in past weeks, that Jesus was that word. So when we say the light has come, it comes in two parts at least. First of all, Jesus invaded the darkness of nothingness, and he was the light of everything that was created. But the second part is here, when we say the light has come, the second part is the first few words of verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the word became flesh. Now, do you notice there that the, 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 the word, that W there, is a capital letter, which is, it's capitalized because John is trying to let us know that this is somebody's name. Yes, okay, y'all gonna get with me. We'll, we'll get there, I promise, all right? So let me make sure we're on the same page here. Who does John mean when he says the word? Right, okay. About 50% is enough to, to continue the sermon, Okay. The one from the beginning, in other words, has become flesh. In other words, God has done this unthinkable thing and squeezed himself into a human body. That's the only way I can think of it. Here's this tiny little baby, and this baby is now where God lives. Now, I know some of you today here are just kind of checking things out, and we're really glad you're here. This is a place that you can belong even before you believe. So you're, maybe you're not sure what you think about the church or about Jesus, or especially about what it means to make Jesus the ruler and the leader of your life. So this is for you, but it's also for all of you church pros that have been around for a really, really long time. Listen, there's almost nothing more important than this. The big theological word that we like to use for it is the incarnation. In other words, Jesus is literally God made flesh. Now, in 2019, you, you won't find many people who, who don't like Jesus. I, I mean, what's not to like? Even, even if you talk to an atheist, they might not be into the church. They might not be in, into Christians. They might, not be into, they might not even be into God. But if you ask them about Jesus, okay, what's not to like? Yeah, I'm done. But people, they, they don't dislike Jesus, but people like to shape Jesus into their own image of who they think he should be. Listen, Jesus is not just the best human who ever lived. 
Jesus is not even just a really, really great teacher, like the best teacher ever. All those things are true of him, but John is being clear here about who Jesus is. He is God. Somebody say, he is God. There's this Christian philosopher named C.S. Lewis who who said it this way. I had them put it on the screen because it's kind of a long quote. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must take your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. People have been trying to figure out this whole Jesus becoming a baby thing, uh, Jesus becoming a baby who would become a man. We've been trying to figure this out for a couple of thousand years, and oftentimes when we try to figure it out without really leaning back on the scripture, we end up going off in a whole lot of different and crazy and wrong directions. For instance, there's this one wrong direction that's called docetism. Everybody say docetism. So you don't need to remember the word, but this is the idea of docetism, is that Jesus didn't really have a human body. Okay, this is docetism. Since he's God, he just made it look like he had a human body. It was kind of like a a projection. He was really still only a spirit with this projected body. So he didn't have a real body. Now, this might not sound like a big deal. Why are you splitting hairs about this, Pastor Kevin? It might not sound like a big deal, but maybe some of you are kind of jumping ahead in your minds. This wrong direction really matters because if Jesus really didn't have a body, then he wasn't really born a baby. And if he wasn't really born a baby who would become the God-man, is what the scripture says, and if he doesn't have a real body, then he doesn't also physically die, and it also means that he is never physically resurrected. Also, like when I'm thinking about it, that doesn't really seem all that impossible, right? That a, that a, that a God could come from the heavens and trick humans into thinking that he had a human body. I mean, there's like there's alien movies about this all the time, right? You know, like they come, it's not really their body, and then at some point the alien comes kind of sticking out its head, right? So that's not really all that. Here's what does seem impossible to my mind. God himself came to dwell on the earth as a baby. Some of you are not quite with me yet, so I want to make sure you get this. So, so he had to have his diaper changed. Right? He, he had to occasionally come in and have, has to have his nose wiped. Sometimes Mary would have to sit him down and she'd have to trim his fingernails. All this, to my mind, it seems impossible, but don't miss this. It was Jesus' willingness to humble himself and take on all, somebody say all, all the weaknesses of a human body. That is what made his victory over death possible. This is the way this early church leader named Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter two. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This is the reason why we sing the song, Victory Belongs to Jesus, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, none of this makes sense to us the way that God, God did it. That's why it said it seems impossible. Impossible that God would do it this way. Impossible that he would choose to save us this way. There's so much about this that doesn't make sense. Remember the shepherds, for instance? We, the, the poet talked about it. It's in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds. I mean, why did God choose these guys out in the field to be the ones to tell everyone that Jesus is born? Listen, if you were picking proclaimers to be the deliverer of the most amazing news in human history, I promise you, you wouldn't pick them. Surely there's got to be some, some more important religious leaders in Israel. There's this guy named the chief priest, for instance. He's got a really big group of people. He's got a really big team that wants some really nice things, all right? The chief priest, he would have been a good person to be the proclaimer of this good news. Even every little town, even Norwalk, Scott, if you go down South Norwalk, there's a little lady that has a shingle out, and she says, come in here for a psychic reading, right? I'm not recommending you go there. In fact, I'm recommending that you not go there, okay? Let's just to be clear. I have to tell my joke, right? I'm not going to tell. I'll tell. Listen, if you want to hear a really good joke about that, come see me in the lobby afterwards, okay? I don't want to do it because it's going to head us off in a different direction. It's so funny. It's it's so funny. No, I have to tell you later. I'm going to tell you later. I'm going to tell you later. All right. But every town, every town has got a spiritual guru that people come to when they need counsel, when they need advice. Even if it's really bad advice, that person would still have been a better person to tell about this first happening. When people find out they're having a baby, they don't generally go out in the street and just start telling random people on the street. That's not the first people they tell, right? Generally, who are you gonna tell when you find out you're having a baby? You're gonna call the important people in your life, right? In fact, you might set up, this is what happens on videos now. We have all these videos, these elaborate things where we have to surprise people. We can't just tell people anymore, right? It's like something's gotta come out of a box or whatever, and it's like levitating in the air. It's a boy, right? So. But I'm getting off track. You tell the important people, you don't run out into the street first. Here's the way that we do things, God. We save the best news for the people that are important. These shepherds are the least likely candidates to be the first to hear about Jesus being born. So why not the important people? I mean, why not these religious people of Israel who pray every day that God would rescue them? They're still doing this. We saw this at the Western Wall right now. Why wouldn't you tell them first, hey, you know how you've been praying for salvation for all of these years? Good news. There's been a development. But maybe because the way that God did it was all just a little too impossible for them. Maybe a baby was the least of their expectations. I want you to get this this morning. This is something you need to take home in this season of waiting and anticipation and reflection that comes before Christmas. Somebody say, this is before 
These other people had expectations. They had religious expectations. They had political expectations. And maybe they were so distracted by their expectations that they missed what God was actually doing. I wanna ask you this this morning, how are our expectations blinding us to how God is working around us? Put that up on the screen, because I'd like them to write that down. How are our expectations blinding us to how God is working around us? This is a question that can help everybody that's here today because we believe that the Bible tells us that every one of us can come to know God, that that God wants to have a close and real and personal relationship with us and he wants to lead us and he wants to guide us through this maze of life that can be hard, as Jacinta mentioned earlier, and it can be confusing. But what if your expectations of how you want God to do that leading and do that guiding are blinding you to what God is actually doing? So I want to personalize the question. There are some people here today who are going to be helped by this question. How are your expectations blinding you to how God is working around you? The most likely candidates to get the the news about Jesus coming, they missed out. They missed out on the rescue. And listen, it wasn't just a one-shot thing. They didn't just miss out one time. Yeah, they missed out on the truth of his birth, but they they kept on missing out at his birth, all throughout his life, all throughout his ministry, because Jesus kept doing things differently than they expected. And because he didn't meet their expectations, they couldn't see and they couldn't hear. 2020 is going to be a a year of urgency for our church. So you have to come back on January 5th to get the theme for the year, which is the theme is urgency. I'm gonna preach this then. We're gonna lean into it all year. But God has huge things that he wants to accomplish through this church this year. Amen? Listen, he has game-changing things that he wants to accomplish in your homes. Next level things that he's calling you to in your life, but those things aren't going to happen if we keep doing things the way we've always done them. They're going to happen because we are urgent about joining God in the way that he is working and in what he is doing. Great things will happen in your life when you stop looking for God to live up to your plan for how he's supposed to get things done and your expectations and instead lean into what he is actually doing. God's plan from the beginning was to send Jesus to save us. We saw last week that almost everybody missed out. They didn't receive him and here we're seeing the main reason because this God becoming human, God squeezing himself into a human body and living a real human life, it wasn't what we had planned. It wasn't what we expected. Verse 14 going on, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and dwelt among us. You need to see this because Jesus didn't just pop in for an epiphany moment. He didn't just show up for his birthday and then take off. Right? That's kind of how fairy tales happen, by the way. Right? There's a princess that's in need of rescue, and the, the prince comes riding in. Here I come to save the day. And he rescues the princess, and they ride off into the sunset. And, and when they're gone, you're kind of like, it's like the old show, The Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger would kind of come in at the last minute and fix everything, and he would ride off into the sunset. And there's this phrase that was said, and they would say, they, they would always say in the show, who was that masked man, right? 
Like, you're kind of not even sure they were there. Was that even real? But Jesus didn't just become a baby. He lived a human life, 33 years of it. John wants us to make sure we know he dwelt among us. And then going on, it says, and we have seen his glory. Do you remember, by the way, who first saw the, the glory? We, we've seen a couple clues on this. Who was it that first saw the glory? It was the shepherds, right? Mary and Joseph, obviously, but the first outsiders to see the glory was the shepherds. This is what the, the angels even said to them, right? They said, they said, as they showed up, they said, glory to God, glory to God in the highest. We translated in Excel, she's Dale. We have seen his glory. In other words, the light has come to you. The light has come to us. We don't have to be like all those others who missed out. We can see him for he is, who he is. We can receive him. We can believe on him. Going on, it says we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son. Say only son. Only son from the Father. If you want to know God, you have to look long and hard at Jesus. This is the center of this whole series, so I want you to get this today. We don't have to miss out on who God is and what God is doing. We can know God and see his glory by knowing Jesus as God's only son. Listen, if we get to Christmas and we miss this, then we missed everything that Christmas is about. The one that we know is Jesus is identical with the Word who was there from the very start. Jesus is the same one that John calls the Word who was the, the way that all things were made. Jesus, John says, is, is life and light himself. At the beginning, Jesus was spoken into darkness. And the reason that he comes to our world is to be that light spoken into the darkness of who we are. Jesus isn't just the light that created all things. He's not just the light that came for the darkness of all people. He is the light for your darkness. Hear me this morning, Jesus came for you. John says he's the only son of God. Another place in the same book, there's people that came to Jesus and they're still kind of confused. They're like, Jesus, we don't, we don't know which way to go. And, and Jesus stops and says, hey, hey, hold on a second. I am the way. You don't have to look any, any further. In other words, you can't know God if you don't believe in Jesus. In 2019, we don't like to make these unique and exclusive kind of statements. Believing in Jesus is the only way to be in relationship with God. And here's something else. When we come to believe that Jesus is God's only son and the only way, that's the way that we're able to show the glory of God to the world. This is what happened to the shepherds. There are people in your life that need the power of God in their lives. I'll tell you what they don't need, they don't need fairy tales. The people in your life that are hurting and broken, they, they aren't going to be helped by hearing stories that sound like fairy tales about some disconnected religious experience that you had. If the shepherds, the shepherds, let's take them again. If they had only had the angels in the field experience, you know what I'm talking about? So if all that happened is they're out there tending their sheep, the concert comes, glory to God in the highest, we're like, wow. But if that's all they had and they didn't go into town and verify what actually happened, and so then when they told people about the story, they were like, you're not gonna believe what happened. We were just minding our sheep and all of a sudden there were these angels there and they said there was gonna be this one that rescued us all. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, and then what happened? Well, that's it. People are gonna be like, what are you smoking, right? 
But no, they, they verified that the angel's song was true. They saw the baby with their own eyes. They came in contact with Jesus himself in the flesh. The power of this season is an understanding that everything you need in your life and everything that you need for your life is contained inside of one person. He's the one that you need. He's the one that I need. This pastor I love, Chuck Swindoll said it this way. He said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Let's just close your eyes all over this building. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just wanna speak very quickly to a few this morning that as I'm talking about this one who is who, is who you need, the one that has been plan A from the beginning. I think there's at least a few people here this morning that would say, you know what, I, I don't know if I've actually ever made the decision. Maybe some of you would say, I know I haven't. Just made the decision to, to follow after Jesus and make him, put him in charge of my life and to, to believe in him, as John said. The ones who receive him are the ones who believe in him. So if that's you this morning and you would say, you know what, I, I don't know if I've done it before, but here today, I, I want to make that decision. I want to make that proclamation. I want those words to come out of my mouth and I, I want those words to drive my um, upcoming days. What an amazing season to do it in. Just a few days before Christmas here as we look towards celebrating his birth. If that's you this morning, you would say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, here today, I want to make the decision to follow after Jesus. If that's you, just all over this room, would you just lift your hands where you are? Come on, lift up your hands if that's you today. Amen, you can put your hands down. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. It's a very simple prayer. And we'll all pray it together. No one prays alone, so... All of our church together will pray this prayer. If you just repeat these, it's, it's my prayer for you, but you can personalize it and make it your prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for living your life for me. Thank you for dying for me. And most importantly, thank you for being resurrected for me. And now I choose to follow you and make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of all the ways that I've run away from you. Be my ruler. Be my leader. Be my Lord. I'll give you my heart. And to the best of my ability, I'll follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.